Hey guys, Lena here in Chicago. I'm ready to uh, get this podcast up and going. I am in the middle of a series called Difficult Conversations. I can't wait to talk to you guys about uh, today's topic. But before we do, let me welcome you. If you're new to the podcast, I am based out of Chicago, have a ministry called Living with Power Ministries. And this podcast is basically one of the things we do in the ministry of Living with Power. If you want to find out more about the ministry, go to livingwithpower.org. If you're uh, a return guest to the podcast, welcome. Many of you know that this podcast really is meant to engage in discussion on topics of of faith and and developing a biblical worldview. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you totally get that and you want that in your life. And if you're not and you're just searching and you landed on this podcast, welcome. Uh, We believe Christ died for you. We believe Jesus came to earth. God became man in order to give his life for you. So if you're listening for the first time, you've never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is it. You can have eternal life because of what Jesus did for you. So that is pretty awesome. And that changes everything about us. And so um, one of the things that it changes is the way that we think about life and politics. And uh, today is uh, that is the topic that I want to address. We're in a series called Difficult Conversations. We have uh, talked about um, race. We've talked about the LGBTQ community and uh, how Christians ought to interface with both of those issues. And then today I want to talk about Christians and politics. Uh, By the way, a very timely uh, podcast given the recent inauguration of a president that uh, most of, you know, 50-50, some of you hated, some of you loved. And regardless of where you stand on this issue, I I believe that Christ has an opinion on how we should handle um, this political environment that we're in right now. So I want to give you just kind of a brief two-minute synopsis of, of my political kind of upbringing and my bent in, in, on this topic. I grew up in West Beirut, Lebanon in the 70s and 80s. And if you know anything about Middle East politics, you know that people in Lebanon and in the Middle East in general are obsessed with politics. I, I'm serious. The Lebs are obsessed with politics. I mean, you are born and you have a religion and that religion influences your political views. That is it, period. And... Uh, my family is interesting. I, my, my dad is uh, Lebanese, born in the south of Lebanon. My mom, Palestinian, kicked out of their home in the late 40s and ended up in Lebanon at a young age, spent her bulk of her life there, met my dad, they got married, and uh, pretty much uh, my dad was obsessed with politics. One of his big three obsessions, plastic surgery, politics, and the Packers. That's funny. I just noticed they're all peas, plastic surgery, politics, and and the Packers, in no particular order. I mean, the Packers might have ruled the three uh, at some point or another, but certainly now as we're headed towards the playoffs, the next playoff game against Atlanta, man, please God, let them win. Let the Packers win the Super Bowl this year. Have your hand over Aaron Rodgers. All right, that's just a, a little side uh, prayer here. But but my dad had those three three loves, and so I grew up really uh, with the news on. This is how we, we didn't have daytime TV. We didn't have Netflix. We grew up in Beirut, and, and all people wanted to talk about in Beirut in that time was politics. Who was doing what? And and by the way, that was partly for survival because if you understood what was happening, you could plan around it. You could buy enough bread, you could get enough water uh, stocked up, and then you could plan when to leave town. And so, so this was sort of a survival thing, but it became really something that ate up much of our attention and our minds and our discussions and our conversations. Not a good thing, by the way. I'm not using them as a good example. This is not a good example, but that was a fact. We moved to the U.S. and my dad picked up right where he left off because they were so wired in his brain this all this political thing I grew up really with the news on I mean until the day actually the couple months before my dad died my dad died a year and a half ago and the last couple of months he lost all interest in politics by the way very interesting because his 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 focus became really focused on the kingdom of God which is going to be one of the issues I'm going to talk about in a minute 
But uh, but up until that time, I mean, he just would have the news on, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to you. My dad was a product, you know, 1934, date of birth, uh, you know, lived in, in Lebanon and moved, and very conservative, very traditional. So it should not come as a surprise to many of you that he had Fox News on 99% of the time. That's just who he was, and, and very conservative and, and very Republican, and, um, and, and, and certainly influenced my... Shape, my, my, my political mindset, I guess. And so it's interesting because I, I, I tend to uh, vote in that party, but I have deviated from that party in many ways. And so in some ways, I consider myself more of an independent now. And I don't say this at the top of the podcast to turn you off or on. In fact, I, I, you're going to find out in a minute that um, exactly what I think about politics. And so let me, let me do this because so that's kind of the home I grew up in, very heavily influenced by politics, conservative politics at that. And by the way, to make matters as if my dad wasn't obsessed enough, my uncle was very heavily involved in politics. And so, so not just our immediate family, but our extended family. My uncle is, uh, was at one point a general in the army in Lebanon, took, you know, was one of the three ruling generals for a brief period of time, later was sent out into, uh, was uh, left Lebanon to go to France and then came back to Lebanon and now has ample opinion on politics. You can find his opinions uh, quite um, regularly on the news media in Lebanon. And so very vocal, very open. His kids, same thing. Very vocal, very open, very bold, and very opinionated, and with reason for most of their opinions. So so that's just that. So this is sort of what has inf- what has been the background. So now we get into like 2017 and the elections, and now everybody's into politics, and everybody's into sharing it on social media, and it's created a bit of a tension. I think many of us would acknowledge that this is a problem, especially for Christians, and, and, and the sense of, 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 of community that I think is, is should be fostered if, if you really consider the word of God. And so really, I think the most important thing when it comes to Christians and, politic, and politics is to go back to sort of um, uh, the main person who started this whole thing, so to Jesus Christ, and to think, well, how did he manage it? How did he deal with politics? Because as much as we like to think that this is the most political era in the existence of mankind, we would be wrong. Every era has been very political and every era has had public forums of expressing their opinions, leading to massive wars in the past because of differences of opinions. And so so this is not a new problem. We're not creating anything new under the sun. And Jesus led uh, us by example in how we should manage these things. And I just have five observations that I jotted down. I'll give you some scripture references, but really they're, they're more than anything, I think, because remember, we're, we're having these these were meant to be more of discussions and conversations and, and just by virtue of finding it hard to, to find people to schedule them in my own busy schedule, they've turned into more of a conversation on the podcast. And I hope you take some notes here because I want to give you these five points. Here's the first about Jesus and politics. Uh, and I see this modeled in the Gospels quite extensively. Uh, number one is this. Jesus always had an answer, but he never got caught up in debate. Or in other words, said he always had an answer, but never engaged. Um, in fact, I would actually go as far as to say, and I would challenge you guys to email me if you if you see the model differently. But Jesus never sought out a political argument. Never, never. I don't think ever in Scripture. Now, now he he did talk about politics. Many of you are familiar with the uh, passage of Scripture where they try, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees come and question him, and they try to taunt him, and and they ask him. Um, let me see where is this passage in. Um, Matthew 22 is, is a one place where it's listed 17 through 21. And, and I think there's a cross-reference in Mark 12, verses 13 to 17, where it says some of the Pharisees, some Herodians, uh, came to trap him in his talk. 
and the whole goal was to trap Jesus. And they asked him, teacher, we know uh, that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinions for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And so they pushed Jesus to make political commentary. And, and Jesus, of course, in his famous uh, statement says, you know, give unto Caesar what's Caesar's and give, give unto God what's God's. And really sort of this, this spirit of separation between church and state. And so um, always had an answer. Uh, but never engaged in dispute. And I love that about Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't talk about politics. I have another little reference in Luke 13, uh, verses 1 through 5, where they, they some were present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So he's in a crowd, and people approach Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, what do you think about what's happening there? And they cite some examples of, of some political things that were happening. And uh, by the way, at that time, the Jewish people were under domination of the Romans. Remember Nero, eventually after Jesus died, he would rule and kill the Christians. And, and this was a very tumultuous time for the Jewish people and for the people of Israel. And and um, and here's Jesus who comes and claims to be the Messiah, and they're looking to him to save them from this oppression, um, when in fact um, he had a different goal in mind. In fact, let me give you number two, and I, I kind of want to comment a bit more about number one, but let me give you number two, which we see modeled in Jesus when it comes to Christians and politics. This is the model of Jesus. First is that he always had an answer but never engaged in debate. Number two, he always spoke about the, or, or, or as a general rule, he spoke about the future kingdom more than he spoke about this kingdom. He Consistently, you'll see this modeled. And so the people, you know, are coming to him and asking him in context of what's happening here on this earth. And Jesus always answered with the future kingdom in mind. Always. This is just a model that he did. In fact, uh, he, he even told them at one point to the disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where I mean, We see it even up to the crucifixion where Jesus uh, says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, I would call the, you know, the, the, the angels to come and fight and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, um, and those two things are interrelated in that uh, I don't believe Jesus' strategy was ignorance as to the issues. No, I don't think so at all. In fact, there, wasn't one, there was not one time where Jesus wasn't asked the questions where he didn't have an answer. Always was aware of the issues, always understood what was behind the issues, but refused to engage. My favorite verse in that, I think, is in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, which uh, Paul says, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. And I believe Jesus modeled that with everything about him. I believe Jesus refused to engage in debate his point, even in answering the questions, was not to open up a huge discussion. You never see that. You never in the gospel see an argument over politics. But always you see him give an educated, kingdom-minded answer. Always had an answer. Spoke about the future kingdom far more than he spoke about this kingdom. I almost say he never. His his interest in this kingdom was was not. I mean, he, he saw so further beyond this kingdom. And it took the disciples some time to catch up to where Jesus was, which I believe is the same to us. I think that we are, just even in those two points, think about how we are handling politics as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Uh, we look for discussion and debate. How many of you have not gone on Facebook? And I, I don't say this to accuse you. I just, I just see this happen over and over again, where you get on, and, and we always preface it by saying this. I'm not one to give political opinion, but... I haven't said anything about the election so far, but, and then, and then we lay down the law about what we believe, about what we believe, and we really feel confident that that's how it should be. I don't think that's godly. 
I don't think that's Christ-like. I'm telling you the truth. I don't think that's Christ-like. I think we ought to have an answer when people ask us questions. I think we ought to be informed. But I think for us to lead the discussion on politics is a, is a lose. I do. I don't think that's a win. I think that is a lose. And I think you alienate people instead of unite them when you do that. And I think we are far, far more obsessed with this kingdom here on this earth than we are the future kingdom. That is why so many of us worry about presidents and how they're going to affect the bottom line, our dollar bill. How will it affect our taxes? How will it affect? I mean, I care about that too, but listen to me. If we took to heart the words of Jesus and what he says about where our hearts and our treasures should be and how what he talks about how we should handle our material goods, those issues will no longer be as significant to us. But we are so caught up in a, mind, in a mindfulness of this kingdom that we can't see past our noses to the future kingdom. So you want to handle Christian, if you're a Christian, you want to handle politics like Jesus did, first of all, always have an answer. Be informed, be prepared, but don't debate. Don't get caught up in it. It's so tempting to do. It, it feeds the flesh, I believe, to get caught up in these discussions, but, but leads nowhere. They're empty discussions that lead nowhere. And secondly, focus on this kingdom, not the next. Here's a third principle about Jesus uh, and politics. Uh, I believe as a general rule, um, I'd say always, but again, you always worry about saying that word always because somebody's like, oh, I know this one time where that wasn't the case. But but generally speaking, uh, Jesus spoke of changed hearts, never of changed policies. You hear that? He spoke of changed hearts far more then he spoke about changing policies. His goal wasn't for us to, you know, enact some ruling in Congress. Though I believe there's a time and a place for those things. I'm not, you know, again, all part to you if you want to be a politician. And, and I really do believe there are laws that have been instilled that protect us. And I'm so proud to be an American for those particular laws that give us the freedom of speech that allow me even to do this podcast. I mean, I'm not saying those are bad things, but, but if you're trying to follow Jesus, just start studying the way that he lived and the way that he spoke. And his concern was far more that our hearts would be changed rather than that our politics and our policies would be changed. You see what I'm saying? This is huge. See, I'm, you might change policies, but if your heart is not changing, it's a lose. It's not a win. And so I want to ask you, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I mean, those are not the words of Jesus. Those are the words of Paul. But I think just such a reminder. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, who is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do you know how you and I can conform to this world? We debate politics. We, 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 we get a, a nail and we just ream it down someone's throat so hard and we don't let up and we stop talking to people who don't agree with us and we unfriend those who don't agree with us. And man, that is to be conformed to this world because that's what's happening in this world. But, but Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of your heart. So I want to ask you now, how is your heart? Do you know, I jotted down here, John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. Here's Jesus uh, who is at night in his home. Nicodemus comes to him. Nicodemus is one of the top rulers. I mean, what an honor. Like, we would be so honored if somebody, a senator, came to our house to ask our opinion about faith issues. And I'm telling you, our tendency would be to try to get in good with them so that if we ever needed anything, we could knock on their door. And it's like, remember that time when you came to my house at night? Hey, now I need something. And yet we see Jesus going to the cross and never once leaning on Nicodemus. Never once. 
Never once. And in fact, the conversation in John chapter 3 between Jesus and Nicodemus has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with born-again life, with the born-again life, which is which is the spirit-led life. And that is, of course, the chapter when we hear the whole plan of God for this earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. What would you say to a politician of high rank and stature if they came to your house in the middle of the night and asked you about eternal life? Would you be so caught up with immigration laws and with foreign policies and with Roe versus Wade? And would you be so caught up in those things and try to change their minds on those things? Or would you look past those things to the heart? What brought Nicodemus to Jesus? It was a heart that was hungry for more. Oh, may God give us eyes to see that. May God give us eyes to see past the words that people say to their hearts. That's where we need to be changing. It's okay to yield in a discussion, even if you disagree with the person and with right. It's okay to let them win the argument if you get a chance to share with them the truth. Listen to me, I believe with all my heart that that is the heart of Jesus as it pertains to Christians and politics. So always have an answer, but never get caught up in debate. Speak about the future kingdom far more than you speak about this kingdom. Focus on changed hearts, not changed policies. And then number four, I believe this, Jesus loved people far more than he loved systems. Jesus loved people far more than he loved systems. He didn't look at people and think Republican versus Democrat. He didn't look at them and think liberal versus conservative. He didn't look at them and think labels. He didn't look at them and think, man, you voted for him and I voted for her. He didn't look at that. He saw people. Remember how he dealt with people. He, there, was, there was the healing on the Sabbath. Regularly, Jesus did that. Why? To show that people mattered more than laws. And the Pharisees couldn't understand that. They were so caught up in a system, they couldn't find the love in their hearts to understand God's heart. You see Jesus healing the leper. Nobody would get close to the leper. And yet Jesus loved the leper and the paralyzed. And he would go out to them and he would touch them. The healings of the lepers involved touching more often than not. And, and then there's the Samaritan woman. And, and wherever there was a, an outcast, wherever there was someone who was on the fringes of society, there was a woman who was caught in adultery. And, 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 and wherever there was that, when they say Mary Magdalene was, was a prostitute before she came to Christ, wherever there was someone on the fringes. In fact, people, one time one woman came and offered an offering at the feet of Jesus. And the people in the house were like, does he even know who this woman is? And, and listen, he knew. Oh, did he know. And oh, did he love the fact that those men and women were changed at the core of their heart by the truth of the gospel and the love of the Savior. Listen to me. Do you see systems? Do you see laws and constitutions? Or do you see people? What do people say about the way that you treat people that you don't agree with? I really believe that is our Christianity. It's not how we treat those who agree with us. We have a hard enough time with those we agree with. But how do we treat those we don't agree with. Do you unfollow them? Do you ban them? So I've been tempted. I'm be honest with you. My temptation would be like, see less of so-and-so on my face because I can't stand those opinions. Listen, that is not Christ-like. How do you know someone if you can't listen to them? And if, if you only surround yourself with people that you know and agree with, what? how are you changing this world for Christ's sake? And so um, do you love people or do you focus on systems? People trump systems. That's Christianity. And then lastly, this is huge now, the last one. Let me, let me review all just to kind of always have an answer 
but never get caught up in debate. Speak about the future kingdom more than you do this kingdom. Speak of changed hearts more than changed policies. policies. Love people more than you love systems. And then number five, Jesus threatened without being threatening. Okay, get this. His very essence, his very being created a problem. I mean, there was this guy who loved people. Think about that. And, and he never sought to be threatening. That wasn't his goal. And yet his very existence threatened the culture so much that they killed him. See, how much did they threaten that he threatened the people around him? Oh, so much that they crucified him. They would shut him up. Or so they thought. Except they were clueless that it was his very plan to die. It was his plan to die. And three days later, he rose again. We look at death as the greatest evil. And yet, what if we would be willing, like Jesus, to lay down our life? What if we lived so threateningly, not being threatening, but, 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 but by our love and by our persistent steadfastness to one another? What if the church started living like Jesus lived, putting people above systems, changing hearts instead of changing policies, loving the people that are on the fringes? What if we were that? Forget the terms Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Forget those terms and look at people, look at hearts. Oh my goodness, how threatening we would be. And, and, and I bet that if that were to happen, there will come a time when we ourselves would have to lay down our lives for the sake of the kingdom. And man, that is Christ-likeness. Now, you might be saying, that's all fine and dandy, but where do we go from here? How do we practically move forward? Um, I had a lot of little thoughts here, but I, I, I want to summarize it with one sentence that I want us to meditate on as we leave. And it is this question. Any issue that comes up, I want you to ask this question. Is this a mountain I'm willing to die on? You're, you're facing a political debate. Even this argument as to who you voted for. I mean, so many people are so depressed about this election. And, and now we've got a new president and others are very happy and want to gloat. And, and it's gone on and, and there's so much turmoil. And, and so t topics are going to come up as, as this new president comes and changes everything from healthcare, you know, the, the healthcare reform and, and, and immigration laws and everything. I guess any issue that comes up, I think we need to ask the question, is this a mountain I'm willing to die on? And, and, and listen, men and women listening to me, some mountains, the answer will be yes. When it comes, like, I'm going to give you an, a simple example, abortion. I'm going to do a whole podcast, I think, on abortion. But, but let's talk about it for a minute here. Maybe that is a mountain we die on. I mean, we're murdering babies. Now they're talking about, they were talking about third trimester abortions. I don't, it's, it's a matter of time before that becomes legal. How, how is that acceptable? That, that's a taking of a life. That's defending the unborn. That might be a mountain we stand up, we, we need to die on. That might be one we need to die on. I remember when the gay issue with, with civil marriages and then later, you know, the law that, that homosexuals could marry, that was not a mountain to die on. How did that impact Christians as a, as, a, as a whole? Maybe not as much as we thought it would impact us. And, 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 and I'm telling you, I think we've got to ask, answer those questions. And our answers may differ, but when, we, but when we come down to the conclusion of the matter, is this a mountain I'm willing to die on? I think, I think the sub-questions to ask here are why. Why does this matter so much? Whether it's the gay issue, whether it's abortion, whether... Ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to give you that answer. Why does this matter so much? And in context, is this a mountain I'm willing to die on? I would urge you to ask these questions um, 
uh, 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 will this issue alien like if I engage in this issue is it going to alienate the person that I'm engaged with or is it going to invite them to Christ will this unite us or will it divide us will it alienate or will it invite and um and I guess when you're talking to someone, particularly someone who's not a follower of Jesus, a question for that we need to pose ourselves is this, will this discussion and will this debate draw him or her closer to Jesus or further away from him? I, th- I believe we have a responsibility to answer these questions. And, and the root question being, is this amount I'm willing to die on? And I think, like, like again, I'll, I'll use this example of, of abortion. I think if we give up on the, if we say, man, it doesn't matter. And if, I, if I'm pursuing Jesus, I've never met him before, and I'm trying to find out who he is, and all of his followers are wishy-washy on the issue of, of protecting the unborn, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I would wonder about a God who values life. If the value of an unborn doesn't matter, why would my life matter? And again, don't get caught up in the issue. I really, that's not my goal. I'm just trying to use an example to help us to flesh this out a little bit. I, I am going to do a whole podcast, I promise you, on the issue of abortion. But in the meantime, I think um, when it comes to politics, is this amount I'm willing to die on? When issues come up, will it alienate or invite? Why does this matter to me so much? Am I willing to lose their soul or lose an argument? And... Um, and, and, and then this, what are they really saying? When you're talking to people, I'm, I'm trying to do that more and more. God's working on growing my listening ears and, and asking this question, why, what, what is the person really saying? They may be arguing over immigration laws, but, but what's underneath it? What's driving the energy of this discussion? And I think back, I started by telling you about my growing up years in Lebanon. I think back about kind of coming full circle as I've thought and reflected over the political um, fury of those early years of my life and healing, hearing all of the discussion, you know, I, 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 I think a lot of what was behind those vehemence discussions back in Lebanon was fear. It was fear. And I, I, I believe with all my heart that much of what propagates our uh, conversation here in the United States is fear. And uh, here's the thing about Christianity. Um, perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And so let's follow the example of our Savior, the man we claim to follow, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the earth. Always an answer, but not debate. Future kingdom over this kingdom, changed hearts over changed policies, loving people over systems, and and being willing to threaten without being threatening, letting our, our life, our example speak loudly, and always asking ourselves, is this a mountain I'm willing to die on? So... You got questions, you got thoughts. I know this is a big topic. Um, by the way, you might have noticed, I rarely, I don't talk about politics on my blogs. I talk about current event issues, but never politics. I don't want to engage in debate on the issues, but I want to talk about this. If you have questions, if you have specifics, email me, lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org. If you um, have an opinion, if you want to tell me where I'm wrong, listen, I am um, willing to hear it. And uh, know that uh, I'm praying for everybody listening. To this podcast you are loved and uh, i pray that you know this jesus and i pray that we are all striving to be a bit more like him and by the power of the spirit we can be so have a good day check in with livingwithpower.org email me lena at livingpower.org i'll talk to you guys soon bye